Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Lion's Zen Podcast. I'm here with you as always, Eric. Hi. Um, today, today's episode, today's episode, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, what makes you healthy um, in terms of, you know, your mental health, you know, your anxieties, your depressions, things of that nature. So let's get the ball rolling. Um, I was reading something the other day, and I thought this was thought this was crazy um, because it was it was a study and it was suggesting that only um, about twenty percent of of your health is determined by the medical care that you get. Twenty percent of your health, and I, I thought that was just I thought that was a crazy stab. That was that, that is really low. You know, when you think about, you know, therapy sessions or psychiatrists or, you know, um, general practice, doctors, things of that nature, 20%, that's it? Like, that seemed kind of low, so then I'm like, okay, cool, what what makes up the other, you know, 80%? Um, you know, where what are we thinking about there? So, and of course, I wasn't very shocked to see that the bigger influence is is our family history and our daily choices. And that, of course, did not shock me whatsoever. Um, you know, your thoughts and your emotions that you feel and, and where you live and work are even big factors as well. And again, does not shock me. Um, but let's talk a little bit about that. You know, I kind of want to go into... You know, maybe, maybe a little bit of your family, your family life, and how, you know, how that might have a positive and even a negative impact on you. Of course, it's probably going to have more of a negative impact at times when when we really start thinking about it. Um, but let's just kind of dig into that a little bit. You know, so I mean, we talk about when when family relationships are stable right and supportive somebody that's that's suffering from some type of mental illness or mental health issues or disorders they they might be more responsive to treatment and i i can totally understand why right you're feeling supported you feel like you have a great support system around you you feel like you know you can you can lean on your parents you can trust your parents you can share things with your parents, your brothers, your, your your siblings, your sisters, whatever it is. You know, if you have an aunt, a grandparent, an uncle, whatever that looks like. You know, and I've, I've said it time and time again um, throughout my struggles over, you know, the past few years. If, if I didn't have friends that I considered family to lean on at times... And even even some family members, if I didn't have them to lean on at times, you know, thinking about my children, etc. I I honestly don't know if I would be here right now. I really I really don't think that I would be around if I didn't have those close tight bonds with friends with family. And and I'm almost. 99.9% certain that if I didn't have my children, I wouldn't be, 
I wouldn't be around. Um, so having those, having those supportive friends, having those supportive family members, you know, of the utmost importance. I say, you know, I mean, you see things all the time, um, you know, people saying, uh, treat everybody nice. You don't know what somebody's going through, things of that nature. And that is so true. That is so very true. Because you honestly don't know what somebody else is going through. You don't. Um, it is incredibly difficult to know what somebody else is going through if you don't know them personally. If they don't share these things with you. And it's um, it's a dark world out there if you're alone at times. So please don't forget, you know, reach out. I, I did, I did uh, an episode on, you know, some things that maybe to look out for with your friends, um, some ways they may be acting, etc. cetera. Uh, you know, dismissive, not wanting to go out, things of that nature. Definitely take interest in them, ask them, and continue to ask them, right? Because sometimes they're not gonna, they're not gonna say, yeah, I'm fine, you know, and you just let it drop. They're not gonna tell you the first time, chances are, you know, just, just be repetitive about it. Make sure, hey, I'm here for you. Let me know. You know, in this time of year, especially seasonal, seasonal affective, diso affective disorder is is very prevalent right now this time of year. Um, and you know, myself especially, like I've I've definitely gone through it, and I'm trying to do things myself right now to make sure that I'm not, uh, you know, going to going to go through those things all winter long, all season long. Um, you know the holidays are coming up, and I'm I'm very excited about the holidays coming up, and and I hope that uh, my family has a great time, and uh, I can't wait to spend time with them and, and see the looks on my kids' faces when they open up their their presents and whatnot. So, um, yeah, please just remember, right? Be cognizant of your surroundings, and be there for people. going forward, you know, with more of the family stuff, when there's, when there's increased stress from your family, you know, that can, that can weigh on you a lot. I read something the other day and I thought this was funny, you know, it said, it said that traditions are just peer pressure from, from, you know, deceased family members. And and yeah, I, I, I see that. I get that. I understand that. I can, I can understand where that, that can be construed that way or that can be seen that way. You know, a tradition is just peer pressure from a family member that's no longer around. But at the same time, if done correctly, if done right, if done properly, that tradition can build lifelong memories for yourself, your children, your nieces, nephews, grandparents, parents, siblings, cousins, whatever. That can build lifelong memories for for your family. So and oftentimes that's all we have, right? That's all we have is memories and photos of memories and things of that nature. Oftentimes that's all we have once people are gone. 
So I wouldn't see it entirely as, as peer pressure from those that are no longer around. Definitely some things I can for sure, right? But with, with some of the non-supportive families, you know, that can definitely detract from, from your own mental health. You know, and I'm not as close to, to my siblings, um, certainly as I once was. I mean, we, we've got quite an age gap between us, 11 years between myself and, and my oldest brother. You know, and we're not entirely, we're not entirely close anymore. Um, the phone works both ways on that end, though. You know, and I look back and I think of past times, um, you know, start like my grandfather, my dad's dad um, passed away before I was born. And, uh, and I hear stories about how um, my father and my grandfather, his father, you know, didn't talk for years, you know, 10 years, 11 years, whatever it was. And then they finally, uh, they finally came back to, to mending their relationship when my grandfather was on his deathbed. You know, in the in the seventies, and I feel like that's that's probably too long. You know, that's definitely too long. You know, enjoy these memories now. Enjoy this. Enjoy all these things while you can. And I I have made. No qualms about my relationship with my father and how how it's it's not the best. How it could certainly be better. However, I don't I don't force my poor relationship with my father and my children. I make sure that they they can form their own relationship with him and have their own memories with him, and not my memories with him, not my bad memories. Right, so I, I encourage them to spend time with him. I take my children down there at least several times a month to see, to see their grandparents, my parents. Because I feel like, you know, uh, relationships with, with grandparents is, is of the utmost importance. I only have one grandparent left alive now, and I'm sure some of you have none. And I, I, I've lost several. You know, I've been thankful to have had several great grandparents and grandparents in my life that, that have been alive that have since passed on that I've had great relationships with. And I feel like that is of the utmost importance when, when our children are young. You know, to have that, that loving, that supportive family around them because this is only going to help them grow as they get older. You know, we talk about family things and, and you know, how, how family affects your, your mental health. I, I don't really want to go into too much depth with this one, but, but abuse, right? I mean, abuse is, is huge. You know, when you're getting, you know, so many, so many younger, or well, I guess the older generation now that may have grown up in the South or uh, whatnot, you know, you, you've heard the term switch. If you live in the South, um, and for those of us in the Midwest and, and Northern up here that don't know what a switch is, a switch bush is, is a bush, and um, oftentimes one of the parents would say, go outside and get, get a switch, 
um, you know, off the switch bush, get, basically get a twig or a branch off of the switch bush, and then they bring it back inside, and then the parent would beat them with it. You know, um, like up here, for some of you that, you know, may be much older, you know, you might have gotten beat with a, a belt or, you know, sometimes a wooden spoon. Um, you know, back in the 80s and, and 90s, that early 90s, that was not uncommon at all to get to get uh, hit by a wooden spoon. I often remember that there was one time my my older brother got beat with a wooden spoon over his bare butt. And uh, legend legend has it that he got he got beat so hard with the wooden spoon it cracked over his butt. It broke over his backside, and then he turned to my mom and laughed at her. Of course, I wasn't. I don't. I, I wasn't alive at the time, so I don't recall. Um, or if I was alive, I was too young to remember. Um, but that is that. That is the urban legend with our family. Um, and oftentimes, I, you know, he turned out okay, right? I mean, there's definitely different types of abuse, um, and you can certainly navigate down that that avenue any way you want to, but. It, you know, there's there's much more horrible types of abuse that would happen that would shape someone's mental mental health um, down the road. And I've I've been lucky enough to to have several several female friends who you know have been um, abused sexually, um, not 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 by necessarily by parents or or relatives, but by by men, you know, forcing their will upon them. And it, it alarms me that that happened or has happened to so many women in this, in this world. Um, you know, when I started talking to different people about it, you know, once I started having children, my daughters of my own, and I kind of inquired about it, you know, and to to hear how many women have gone through this is just in, incredibly alarming to me and scary. And um, I just want you all to know, like, if you've gone through that, continue to be strong. You are amazing and you are such a, a warrior for going through it and getting through it and you will succeed and you will grow and you will do great things in your life. Um, moving on, you know, especially with the family stuff, right? I talked about, you know, stress and chronic stress is, man, it can be, it can be, it can be painful. It can be horrible. It can be terrible. You know, when you talk, I did, I did an, an episode on, you know, relationships, divorce, you know, communication, what, what, um, what causes the most divorces, uh, in America, right? And, and money, money was up there. Communication was in the top five, right? Infidelity, those things were up there in the top five. And when I think about stress, I think about what most people fight about in relationships, you know, is, is affection 
and and it's money and like that is just those are things that are hard to to fix right away and that you know given the age that we're in now where we want everything to be just this this automatic this on demand you know i i, I make the joke constantly about um, how Europeans always joke about us, how we drive slow cars and eat fast food. You know, and it's true. We are in this this society now where everything is on demand, right? We just have the internet in our hand. We have answers to almost everything in the palm of our hand. We can reach out to celebrities via Instagram and Twitter, whatever, you know, and, and tell them exactly how we feel. We just, we have this unbelievable technology to do these things now. And everything is so on demand. And we stress out when things aren't fixed or can't be fixable in, in that instant. Think about it. You know, when you go to a restaurant sometimes, you're expecting, you know, a sit-down restaurant, sometimes you're expecting that food to show up within, you know, 15, 20 minutes. I went out to eat, I don't know, a, a couple of weeks ago, and it was busy, and I knew it was going to be busy, and I knew I was going to have to wait for my food, and I was okay with that. I was prepared for that. And I think I, think I had to wait um, 50 minutes to an hour before before the food that I had ordered showed up. But I was okay with that because I knew that was going to happen. I was prepared for that. But there's so many people out there that don't prepare themselves for that. They are this on-demand, entitled, I need it now, I want it now, I'm going to have it now. And that's, that's, not, that's not how this works. So when you partner that with, you know, your, your relationships, whether it's your partners, um, your, your family, your parents, whatever it is, when you pair that with those relationships that you're in, the people that you care for, the people that you love, the people that are in your, you know, in your corner that you see all the time, daily, weekly, whatever it is, when, when, they start to discount your feelings or when they start to not take care of the situation like as fast as you would want them to or would like them to yeah it adds a lot of stress for sure and then when it continuously happens over and over and over again it does it starts to take its toll on you 100% I mean, the best way to cope with that, right, is is therapy, talk therapy. You know, some sort of some sort of therapist, and there's many options out there for that. I know in my hometown, there's a couple of nonprofit organizations that offer you know talk therapy. So I mean, if you sit here and think about this, you know, if your family. Is, is impacting your mental health in a negative way and they're not being supportive if you know if it's your friends if it's whatever 
either either start start looking for some therapy maybe maybe even start cutting them out of your life a little bit don't spend as much time with them don't talk to them as much whatever that looks like the the state of your mental health is it's not it's not typically a choice not typically you can choose to seek help you know if if your friends and family aren't aren't supportive you know it's it's important to talk to a healthcare provider a therapist or or whoever it is that can you know help you understand options so you can get the help that you need that's that's of the utmost importance you know the workplace too i talked a little bit about the workplace and how how you know your workplace can affect your health your mental health and and we've all certainly been in in workplaces that aren't what we want to be you know it's it's not where we want to be we don't want to be there it's you know we sit here and we say oh it's it's an ends to a mean right i i have to work here because i need money because i have to support my family whatever it is one thousand percent i've been there i was living that for a long time in a way i don't know if i am living it still right now or not i just changed jobs i'm just trying to get into the swing of it you know see if i'm a good fit you know But oftentimes, our workplaces, we can feel trapped. We can feel disconnected from everybody. You know, and how do you fix that? You know, you start looking for something else. You, you start interviewing other places. You start doing whatever it is you can do, whatever it is you have to do. But at the end of the day, that's your choice. I mean, I'll pull you behind the curtain a little bit here and and talk about one in particular, one in particular uh, job that I had that I, I absolutely despised. Um, and it was a job that I took to better support my family at the time. Um, I took a job at at a casino here in town, and. I took the job because the hours, um, the hours were, were terrible. Um, I would go in oftentimes at, at 4 p.m., 5 p.m., 6 p.m., most night, right? Most, I'd work every weekend. I'd go in, you know, 4, 5, or 6, depending on the day, and I would work until midnight, 1, 2, 3 in the morning, whatever it was. And it was terrible because uh, my children were young at that time. They were just infants. I think my oldest was, was one and my, and my second child was just born. So I was home all day with, with my children while my spouse worked. And I was home often several days a week with them, you know, taking care of them. And sometimes I would we had to keep them in daycare, so I would have to drop them off, you know, for 
I don't remember what it was, eight hours a week or something like that, I think it was, to keep our space in daycare. Um, so I would do that. And during those eight hours, then I would go and work at, at a local uh, sub shop, a sandwich shop, and deliver sandwiches, you know, for a couple hours, a few hours a day, three days a week. And then I would go, and then I would go pick my, my children up and wait for, you know, a, a grandparent or, or my spouse to come home before then I would then leave and go work my full-time job. And I know some of you are saying, oh, that's that's pretty normal, that's pretty whatever, da, da, da. And, and you're right, that that is pretty normal. I haven't gotten to the worst part yet. You know, the, the job itself, um, casinos here in Iowa, they have the option of being either smoke-free or you can smoke in there. And unfortunately, the casino that I was at, you know, you could smoke at, and it was, it was bad. I mean, it was, I didn't smoke, and I would come home smelling like cigarettes because you couldn't get away from it. So for eight, ten hours a day, I am, you know, in this environment of just cigarette smoke everywhere around me, and uh, it is tough, but you had to do what you had to do. When I had started there, my boss that I worked for, she was great. She was great. I loved her. Um, she wasn't there long at all. Um, she had gotten fired uh, due to some some instance that happened. And and then this this gentleman ended up taking over. And he's not he wasn't from around here. I don't I don't even remember where he's actually from, but he started working and immediately he would he would pick on me constantly and um, and I was okay fine it's it's witty banter it's whatever it's da -da -da, no big deal and then um, a couple other people were working there used to work with him at a different casino and they would tell me stories about you know things that he would say and things that he would do and and I didn't want to believe it. But it was true. It ended up being true. So this man, uh, homosexual man, would often make comments about my appearance. He would often make comments about um, wanting to perform sexual activities on me. He would often, um, you know, describe... I'll give you an example. The one, the one day I remember, he called me into his office and he said, uh, "Eric," and I said, "Yeah," and he said, "I, I got to talk to you about something." And I said, "Oh, okay. Like, what, what's wrong? What's up?" And he said, "I've got, I've gotten a complaint from a customer about, about your dress, about what you're wearing, about your clothes," and I said, "I'm sorry." And, uh, and he said, "Yeah, um, I had a complaint from a customer describing." Um, how uncomfortable they were uh, around the, the bulge in your pants. And at that time, he his head looked down, you know, to my groin area, to my crotch area, and he said, I see what they mean. And then he, like, looked back at me in my face and then proceeded to talk about how um, he enjoys doing uh, fellatio on, on married men. And um, it, it was at that point then, that I, I went to, 
uh, I was I was mortified, right? I mean, this had gone on for months. And that was just one instance. And I, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my spouse. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell co-workers. I didn't tell anybody. And then I finally, uh, I think I went home the one day and, and, you know, and at that time my spouse was like, what's wrong? Like, what's going on? Like, you really seem like you're not, you're not okay. And I'm like, no, I'm not okay. I'm like, I hate my job. I want to leave. Why? What's going on? I'm like, I just, I hate it. Like, I can't, I can't continue to be there. And, um, so we kind of, I, 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 I spilled the beans. I brought that up. I, I flat out told her like, that's, that's what happened. And she was appalled that I hadn't said anything to her in the, you know, six months that had been going on. And she was very supportive. My parents were very supportive. Um, I, I ended up going into human resources the next day and I filed a complaint about it and it didn't get taken seriously. Um, and about a week went by at that point, I had applied at several different jobs and I had gotten, uh, I had gotten a new job. I got a not one. Well, I, I didn't quite get the offer yet, but it was, it was almost, it was pretty much done. So I put in my notice. That was a Thursday. And, uh, Friday I walked in Friday night. I walked in and I got greeted at the back door by a director and walked to, you know, the CEO's office and, um, you know, pretty much, pretty much got razzed about about my job and about the job that I was doing and about how I gave a player an extra twenty dollars in free play and free slot player or, or a dinner or something something of that nature and I was getting asked why I did that well that was that was basically that was my job right my job was to keep players happy and and I looked him flat in the face and I and I said if you talk to you know so and so at HR about my about my complaint I want to know where we're going with that and um yeah, it, it just, it completely fell on deaf ears. And that person was then there employed at that casino um, with multiple other people that went and complained about similar instances. Um, and he was still employed there for the next three months or so before he was finally let go. But going through that, going through that scenario um, was incredibly difficult. And it's amazing because people say, you know, people will say, oh, it only happens to a woman. It never happens to a man. And like, it never happens to men. I'm here to tell you it happens to men. And it has happened to men. It happens at an alarming rate to women. An alarming rate to women. And I find it vile and disgusting. And if anybody is, is happening to listen to this right now, um, that, that, you know, is a, is a supervisor, a boss, whatever, has subordinates or is in charge of people. Don't, don't be a creep. Don't be a, a dirty old creepy asshole man. Treat people decent. We all have feelings. We all, most of us don't want to be working, you know, especially, especially this time of year, like, so many of us don't really want to be handling, you know, situations like that on top of our job. 
and we shouldn't have to. But oftentimes we feel like we have to because, because we have to support our families because we have to be there. Because we have to support ourselves. Right? You feel trapped. So oftentimes your, your mental health will, will be affected by you know, your job. And it sucks, and it shouldn't be that way, but it is. And it sucks. It really sucks. Oh, dog barking in the background. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> let's kind of talk a little bit about how, you know, your mental, your mental health can alter your decision-making. You know, your altered decision-making, you know, it, it, it creates challenges for so many people trying to make good decisions for their own health. You know, whether that's what, what kind of food to eat, how much to eat, right? It can totally affect, you can totally create an eating disorder where you're eating too much or too little. You're trying to overcome anxiety and depression. Uh, you know, your body is only capable of doing so much itself you know that's why there's antibiotics out there for for bacteria and, and you know they say rest and fluids if you're sick if you've got a viral infection things of that nature like your body needs help your body can overcome so many things but it can't overcome everything it might be able to with time but as i said before we're in this age of this instant gratification this instant need and if if you're if you're not okay, if you're okay with living with your depression, your anxiety, whatever that whatever it looks like, man, I I don't know what to tell you. It's a hard life to live. You know, we talk, I, I talked about children, right? And that's, that's when we're most impressionable, especially when it comes to decision-making, is when we're children. You know, young kids make decisions based on, you know, uh, rules, right? A set of rules that they construct about the world around them. You know, oftentimes I'll give my children the, the, the right to choose, I'll give them the option to make them feel like they're in power, like they have the power to choose. But I'm the one giving them options. And they're like, okay, great. What do you want for dinner tonight? You know, do you want do you want um, you know sweet potatoes with your dinner, or do you want broccoli with your dinner? You know, I give them options, but I give them the power to choose. So then they then feel empowered. Then they feel like they're making the decision that they're the ones that are. Oh, I feel really good about this right now because I just made the decision. Dad didn't make the decision for me. I'm the one that made the decision. You know, oftentimes when 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 you're younger, when you're kids, right? Like I said, they construct these 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 the situation or these set of rules around them, right? You don't draw on the walls, don't spit out your food, right? Eat your vegetables, things of that nature. They that's that's that that weighs on them. You know, but then as teenagers, we stop making decisions based on constructed rules around us, right? They stop making those decisions based on that. 
then they start, you know, weighing the risks and rewards of different options. But oftentimes they will be, they, they, they won't even, they won't even think about the risk, right? Or the, the risk will be greatly reduced. The consequence will be greatly reduced. When, think about it, when you were a teenager, what were you doing when you were a teenager? I know what I was doing when I was a teenager. My God, like I, risk, consequence, like that was, I didn't care. You know, imagine, just imagine if you had rules that you were really afraid of. If you had all those rules in place and you were really afraid of taking risks, okay? Just imagine that for a second. If you had, you know, the, the, the eat your vegetables, the don't draw on walls, the don't do this, the don't do that, da, 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 whatever, whatever it looks like, right? Then you would then you would experience a lot of distress when you don't follow the rules, right? Wouldn't you? I mean, I I don't know. Think about I was reading something about kids with like depression and how sometimes they're stuck in a similar predicament where their brain changes their brain changes their their healthy decision making you know in in kids with depression the brain activates in unusual ways when in in response to you know uh, reward or loss or consequence or whatever so when when a parent has a mental health disorder their brain is already re regarding rewards and losses differently So, for instance, one difference is, is your brain is predisposed to see, to foresee um, more defeat and less reward. The anticipation will, you know, spur decisions to avoid, um, you know, things that would allow you to feel better about, your, about themselves. So, for instance, if... If, if you're living with a mental health disorder, depression, anxiety, etc., whatever, and your kid is, is feeding off that and sees that, and you're not building them up, and you're not allowing them to, to, to do things to feel better about themselves, like, for instance, homework, or good grades in school, or succeeding in school, that's going to impact that's going to impact your children growing up you know and when you think about that like i said we're we're most impressionable when we're young when we're children so if you're not rewarding your your child who's doing well in school now 
they're not going to have the motivation to do work when they get older or to even get out of bed. So be better now. Do better now for your children. I read somewhere that how you wake up your children in the morning, that sets the tone for the whole day for them. You know, if you go in there and you flip the light on, you slam the door and you're screaming, get up, get out of bed, we gotta go, let's go, blah, 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 whatever. And if you're just all raucous and crazy and just screaming and yelling, that's gonna set the tone for a bad day for them. But if you go in and you sit down next to them and you just kind of like rub their back a little bit, and hey, hey, sweetie, hey, honey, hey, whatever, it's time to get up, it's time to get up. You know, if you're real calm and real soothing about it, that's gonna set the great day, that's gonna set a great tone. Think about that. I would love to wake up every morning with somebody coming up next to me and rubbing my back and be like, hey, it's time to get up. It's time to get up. You know, instead of your annoying alarm clock on your cell phone, bang, 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 you know, that's, that's annoying. So many people hate that sound because that's what they wake up to. Just some food for thought. Anywho, uh going to release this episode Friday, December 9th. If you have the pleasure of listening to this uh, prior to 8 o'clock Central Standard Time, please, please, please join me down at Seven Hills uh, for a trivia event sponsored by yours truly. Um, It's going to be a great time. I love you all. Thank you so much for all the love and support. Um, I just want to end to today's episode on, on one thing. Um, I got this email a couple of days ago about uh, my 2022 podcast, and, and this podcast was in the top 15% most shared um, in the country. So thank you so much for that. The, um, the love, the support, like, subscribe, rate, review, um, Hit up my social media, at the Lion's Den. Again, please don't forget to always be healthy. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Love each other. Uh, I love you all, and uh, we'll see you soon.